0: Thank you for your blessings upon our lives, Lord, the fact that we can share love and fellowship one with another's brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, for the church that you have given us and for those that are serving in it, Lord, we just thank you for the answers to prayer that we have shared, and Lord, the fact that you care and that you are working And Lord, even when we cannot see your hand, we still know that you are there. Lord, we thank and praise you for your goodness and your blessings in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz, come and lead us to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. And we're going to try to review this entire chapter tonight. Um, That is going to take a little bit of effort. One of the longest, if not the longest, chapter in the book of Proverbs. And uh, Proverbs chapter 8, and this is the chapter where wisdom speaks. Now, I forget the actual literary term. Uh, What is it? Anthropomorphism or something like that? Where's Brother Franz? Is that the right term? Where you take something inanimate and give it human characteristics? Uh, okay. I th- we'll just use the easier one, personification, all right? But uh, th- this is where the attributes of a human person are given to a thought, an idea, a, a, a quality. And so wisdom is speaking to us. And the writer of Proverbs comes in as the narrator on the first verse, does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? Now, the the question is being asked here, can you not hear wisdom? Wisdom is calling. Its voice is there. Um, it is not that you cannot know wisdom. It's that you choose not to know wisdom. That is what is being said here. That is the inference, because let's just read on. She standeth in the top of the high places by the way in the places of the past. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in at the doors. Now, let me tell you something. There's not too many places uh, that you will walk in that that leaves out. I mean, the high places, uh, oftentimes, the land of Israel was is a mountainous land. Uh, in the Bible, it always says that they went up to Jerusalem. The reason why? Jerusalem was on top of a mountain. You had to go up to get there. And um, it says at the high places. So you would have... A path that may wind up the side of a mountain, well, where's wisdom? Up high, calling out where you can hear it. It says the place of the paths. Uh, There's always places where roads meet, where the pathways meet, intersections. New York City is plumb full of intersections. Uh, I mean, if you're traveling up and down the East Coast, you've got to work hard to go around New York City instead of straight through it. And uh, Route 80, which ends at the George Washington Bridge, if you get on Route 80 and head west, you can go the whole way to the Pacific Ocean. And uh, 95 goes the whole way from Miami all the way up through Boston, travel the entire East Coast. Those roads come together. And if you want to know where wisdom is, it would be right there at the George Washington Bridge, calling out, don't pay the toll, right? No. Um, but wisdom, this is what it's saying here. She standeth at the top of the high places, by the way, of the pla- in the places, in the paths. As you're walking down, she crieth at the gate at the entry of the city. The gates of the city were the important place of the city. We talk about city hall in modern-day United States. Well, city hall was not in the palace where the king lived in, in Solomon's day. City hall was at the gate. The king would have a throne set up at one of the gates of the city. There would be uh, the Bible uses the term "void place" or like an empty. Uh, a court there that would be made into the king's court. The idea of being able, the king being able to sit in the gate of the city and judge the people of the land and meet with people was proof that he was in control of the area. If there was a besieging army, guess what the gate was? Closed. And there were soldiers there, and the king couldn't sit in the gate because of the enemy in the land where was wisdom that's where the king did his business when there was peace wisdom was there that means there's wisdom in Washington D.C. now I find that hard to believe but the Bible says so and so it's got to be there the problem is nobody's listening wisdom is there but there is no guarantee that you're going to listen That's a choice that you have to make. And that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. And it says here in verse 4, Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Now, it's interesting here that wisdom is everywhere you're going to go. And wisdom is crying out specifically to specific people. Now, if you've been called a simple person, that's usually not a compliment. In fact, we have a term called simpleton, which refers to someone whose mind does not work all the way. They are simple in their thinking, meaning like a two- or three-year-old when they ought to be a 40-year-old, or whatever age that might happen to be. But wisdom is calling to the simple, the people that can't think, the people that can't understand things that ought to be understood. And wisdom says, understand wisdom, you simple. If you are a simple person, if you don't understand things you ought to understand, wisdom is saying, come to me and I'll help you understand then wisdom actually speaks to the fool. Now, the Bible defines fools very carefully. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Fool, being in that category is a very dangerous place to be. In fact, there's the only worst place you can be than being categorized as a fool is to be dead and in eternity separated from God. Fool is the last step before you get there. Uh, that's not a place you want to be, yet wisdom is crying to the fools, and wisdom doesn't say to the fools, get your brain straightened out, get your thinking straightened out. It says, be ye of a what? understanding heart. You see, foolishness doesn't come from your mind. It comes from your heart. You have to make a choice not to believe the truth with your mind before you become a fool. And wisdom is standing there saying, listen, let God change your heart. Let God take away your foolishness. How many of us have prayed that prayer? God, take away my foolishness. Remove it from me. Wisdom is there as if she were a real person. She is pictured as calling to people as they pass on their way, as being there when they come into the doors of their house, when they come into the doors of the temple, when they come into the gates of the city, as they pass by the ways, as they look to the high places. Wisdom is there calling to them. Now here's the general call of wisdom. Hear. For I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. My mouth, for my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that find knowledge now we have to be careful people don't want to hear wisdom today they don't want to hear what is true I mean many people say tell me lies I mean it's just absolutely scary the way Things go today. Wisdom cannot speak anything but the truth. Now I've often said this, and I, and I don't and again, I don't mean this in any tongue in cheek or mocking way. There are many voices in this world. And you can get yourself tuned in to the wrong set of voices. And you can hear things that will destroy you. Wisdom will only speak what is right. So when you hear voices that go against the word of God, guess what? You know it's not wisdom. Turn away. Turn your hearing aid off. How many of you remember the story of my grandfather? Uh, He and my grandmother were not always, uh, they were not the picture of the loving couple at all times. Grandma was pretty mean. And uh, she'd get on Granddad about something and just start harassing him. And and pretty soon you'd see one hand go up and turn off the hearing aid. (laughs) Well, she'd just get a little louder. And pretty soon you saw the other hand go up and off with the other hearing aid. Uh, When both hearing aids were off, Granddad was stone-cold deaf. I mean... You couldn't get a message to him no matter how loud you shouted. He had to have help to hear. Now, when you are hearing voices that are telling you things that aren't in the Bible, please, invoke the image of granddad. Turn off them hearing aids. Because wisdom is not speaking. Years ago, I had a, lady come, and she said, I need to counsel with you, pastor. My daughter had a dream. And I'm going, oh boy. And so she, she actually brought her daughter into the office and said, now tell the pastor about your dream. She said, well, there, there was water in my dream. And the mother goes, see, flood. A flood. Destruction. And uh, I said, well, was that what was, Well, there was water in my dream, and the mother's going on about the flood and destruction and great, horrible things. And, and I said, well, what's all this in reference to? Well, my husband wants to move, and I don't want to. I said, you know something? I said, ma'am, you ought not be doing this to your daughter. She's not a toy that you can use to justify your desire not to be obedient to your husband. She got mad at me. You believe that? Let me tell you, wisdom will only speak truth. It will only be in agreement with the Scriptures. If it's not in agreement with the Scriptures... It's not wisdom. Turn away from it. That's what is being said here. And so there is nothing perverse or froward, unright, improper in the speech of wisdom. You know, a lot of times people joke about things that ought not be joked about. Let me tell you something, that is not wisdom speaking. Don't joke about sin. Uh, I remember when we were, when I was a student in Bible college, we had a man come in, a preacher, pastor of a church, and he taught about godly music, how it ought to be in the church and actually in the school and all of these things. And. He brought forth a great series of lessons. But that same week, he had his, uh, uh, it was a large church. He had several men on staff and he had a quartet of the men he had on staff, one of the best sounding quartets I ever heard. And they sang all week, good old gospel music. And then one day, the guy came, one of the men in the quartet came in dressed up as Elvis. Elvis. And he sang a song, I'm Too Cool for Sunday School. Uh, A parody of Don't Be Cruel, Cruel to a Heart That's True, I think, were the original words. They used the same melody. They were singing a rock song. At the same time, the man was teaching against rock music. Now, let me tell you where that went. Today, the music department at that Bible college that I went to, graduated 28 years ago, 20, no, 27 years ago, now teaches you how to play rock and roll music in church. Uh, all kinds, from Elvis Presley to heavy metal. Because the music department now teaches that music is a neutral medium through which messages are transmitted. You get the best music that people like, and you put Jesus' words to it, and they'll bring them to church. See, when you're not listening, when you allow something froward that is improper into your language, it's no longer wisdom that's speaking and you're going to end up somewhere you never intended to be. If I had told the director of the music department or the president of the school where they would be today back then, I would have been kicked out of school for being abusive and inordinate in my speech toward the administration of the college. But I will tell you, as a college student, I recognize the foolishness in making fun of sin because wisdom doesn't speak anything for a word, nothing perverse. We've got to listen to wisdom and we've got to have the discernment to know what is wisdom and what is not. It says, They are all plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. Now, Who needed understanding? The fools needed an understanding of heart, right? And the simple needed to understand wisdom. This is the way Hebrew poetry works. It goes back and it plays on these ideas. If you'll find knowledge, understanding heart, that's the answer for the fool. And if you'll just understand wisdom, the answer to the simple, everything is plain. How many of you remember how complicated things were before you got a hold of your Bible? Does anybody remember that? Trying to figure out what was right and what was wrong and all this. And the Bible makes things very plain if you just listen to wisdom. Well, that's the introduction Now we get the attributes of wisdom. What wisdom is. Now look at verse 10. It says, Receive my instruction and not silver. Is anybody else here old enough to remember real silver coins in the United States? The old coins. A silver dollar used to be one ounce of pure silver because that was what was worth about a dollar for many, many years until President Roosevelt decided that the White House ought to fix the price of silver. And he would wake up, depending on the women fancy, literally and just arbitrarily move it up and down, uh, depending on his mood and which one of his friends might make money off of which way, direction the, month, the it had. Uh, that was perversity. Silver used to be counted as a currency. In fact, that's why they call them, uh, if you go on the website, it'll say BPS. That is British Pounds Sterling. Because that is the, the standard of the British pound. It says, rather than silver, you need the instruction of wisdom. It says, and knowledge rather than choice, gold. I don't think we need to spend much time on the value of gold. Uh, I think the the gold market finally tanked. It's down around, what, $1,200 or something like that, an ounce. That's insanity. When I was in high school, I remember gold going to $300 an ounce, and everybody thought the world was going to end. Now it's five times that. But wisdom is better than if somebody came up and gave you one of them gold bricks out of the storage building. Because if you don't have any wisdom, you won't hold on to the gold brick very long. Somebody will take it from you. But if you have wisdom, you know what? It's more valuable. Look what it says here. For wisdom is better than rubies, carat per carat. The most—that's how you measure gemstones. The most expensive stone is still the ruby, worth more than diamonds, worth more than uh, uh, many of the other stones—a pure red ruby. Of any real size at all, we're talking over a half a carat, is worth exponentially more than a diamond. And the larger the size, when you go over to uh, over a carat, it's like five times the value of a diamond. If you talk about over two carats in a real ruby, natural ruby, you're only talking about a handful of gems. They're very precious. And the Bible says wisdom is valued above rubies. We don't look at it that way, but we ought to. Amen? Then comes the next one, in case you have any question. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared it, to it. Now, wisdom, this is the value, the attributes of wisdom. If you could have anything that you desired... Wisdom is better. Wisdom is worth more. Wisdom is more valuable than anything you could want. And here's one of the reasons. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. You know what? Wisdom is not alone. When you embrace wisdom, when you find wisdom... If we take with the uh, picture that is here and you invite wisdom into your house, into your life, guess what? Wisdom is going to bring her friends with her. One of those friends is prudence. Oh. Prudence is, every once in a while you'll meet someone named prudence. That's about all prudence is used other than we use the negative form of it, don't be a prude. Well, wait a minute. It wouldn't hurt you to be a prude. I'm sorry. A, a prude is someone who says, no, I'm not going to do that. I wish we had some more of those. Amen? Prudence is knowing when to say No. If you get wisdom, guess what? Prudence moves in with her. Prudence is a welcome guest. She will keep you out of much difficulty. Look what it says here. And find out knowledge of witty inventions. It says the fear of the Lord. Now, these are all connected here. To be able to know and understand these things. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy and the evil way. And the froward mouth do I hate. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's chapter 1. You want the fear of the Lord? You got to invite wisdom in or you don't get the fear of the Lord. It doesn't come without wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride. One of the problems is too many Christians are trying to be accepted by the world. That's the exact opposite of the fear of the Lord. Too many. That's one of the reasons I fellowship with the pastors that I fellowship with. That's one of the reasons why I drive to be with these men is none of them are trying to be big shots. In fact, I don't know if I told you or not, I was elected the moderator of the Northeast GIBF the last meeting we had. That's how desperate they are for lead. No. Um, The simple truth is, no one wants to be a big shot. We want to work together to see churches planted. That's what preachers are supposed to do. That, that's the fear of the Lord, to despise this pride, this position. Uh, I got kidded by several preachers. Okay, so you're the grand pooh-bah now, right? No, no, no. Uh, the simple truth is we were working together to get things done to serve the Lord. Look at verse 14. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding I have strength. Here's another one of wisdom's friends. Understanding is going to move in. Understanding is where wisdom gives you strength. By me, kings reign and princes decree justice. By me, princes rule and nobles, even all the judges of the earth. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Riches and honor are with me, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, and my revenue than choice silver. I lead in the way of the righteousness, in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance. I will fill their treasures." There's a lot of preaching today of people wanting to be rich and famous and that God will give you lots of money and no sickness and all this stuff. Most of that preaching, I'm sorry to say, is a bunch of foolishness. Because you don't get those things without wisdom. And seeking those things for their sake, the Bible warns you against it. Don't put pictures of things you want on your refrigerator. Don't put things in your heart and in your soul. Ask God to give you wisdom, which, by the way, it's there. What's James chapter 1? If any man last, lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men up liberally and upbraideth not. Wisdom is there, just like the beginning. It is crying out. If you get wisdom, it's going to do things in your life. It's going to bring, she will bring her friends in prudence and understanding. She will bring the fear of the Lord. She will give you strength to do what's right when all the world stands against you. She will fill your treasures But it's going to be the treasures of wisdom. The revenue of wisdom. Which says to lay up my treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. And the IRS doesn't tax it either. Amen. Listen. You want what is called the good life. You're going to have to get a hold of wisdom. And it says, Seek me early. Those that love me, guess what? It just kind of works this way. Those that have money, they just kind of get more of it, don't they? You know what? Those that have wisdom, they get more of it. They just seem to have an abundance. Those that don't have it, I mean, it just seems like you could take a bucket of wisdom and pour it on their head and it wouldn't do them a bit of good. I mean, mix it in their breakfast cereal when they're not looking. And it's not going to help. Because you willingly have to choose wisdom. It cannot be given to you from the outside in. It's got to be given to you from the inside out. Only God can do that. And so, let's try to finish chapter 8. Some people have said that This last part of the chapter is actually wisdom is a personification or anthropomorphism of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I I don't believe that. I believe wisdom is its own thing. That wisdom was with God from the very beginning because God had to have wisdom. But as we go and look through these, uh, this poetic, and remember Proverbs is poetry here, Uh, I want us just to... uh, Uh, Read these verses. Verse 22, "...the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way, before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting, from beginning, or ever the earth was. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with waters, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world." When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment, when he appointed the foundations of the earth, then I was by him as one brought up with him. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Now verse 31 is the key to understanding this rejoicing in the habitable part of his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. You see, God is the embodiment of wisdom. He doesn't need wisdom. He already possesses the entire depth, breadth, and height of wisdom. It's part of God but God sort of set wisdom off as this separate thing and he says mankind you're created in my image you can have wisdom if you'll seek for it, I will give you wisdom if you'll come to me and get it wisdom is an incredible thing to have to know what to do Wisdom is far more than knowledge. It is the proper application of knowledge. It is understanding what to do with it. How many of you remember my silly story about the nuclear reactor? This was really supposed to have happened. They could not find the problem in the cooling system, and the reactor was going this way and that way, And finally, one of the men said, you've got to call so-and-so. He will tell you what the problem is. And so they called this fellow, and he came in, and he says, okay, let me look around. And he says, "Uh, I'm going to need a crayon, by the way. And so they brought him a crayon, and he walked through the plant and began looking at all the cables. And pretty soon, it said just a few minutes, he walked over and put an X on one of the pipes and said, that's where the problem is. Take that apart, and it will all be fixed and walked out. They took it apart. Sure enough, that's where the problem was. Fixed it, and everything started working right. He sent them a bill, $10,000. They called him into question and said, you were only in the plant for five minutes. He says, could you itemize that bill for us? He said, sure. Crayon, $1. Knowing how to use it, $9,999. $9, and... Collected his money, I think. That's wisdom, is it not? He said, boy, I'd like to get paid $10,000 for putting a crayon mark on a pipe. Jason would be the richest man in the world now, wouldn't he? He puts crayon marks on everything, but they don't mean anything. You've got to go to God to get wisdom. God's always had it. But in part of his making connection with mankind, he wants you and I to get some of it. And by the way, there have been some wise people who are not even saved. Wisdom is not salvation, my friend. There's been some pretty foolish people who were saved. But... Get salvation first. God will give you some wisdom if you ask for it. She is still there. Wisdom, I think, is personified as a woman sometimes because of this idea that women like attention. Wisdom wants your attention. Now, she's not going to do anything untoward or improper to get it. But if you'll give your attention to wisdom, you will benefit from it. And that's the last few verses here. It says, "No, verse 32, Now therefore hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction, be wise and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me. Now look at this next. Watching daily at my gates, waiting... At the post of my door. Wisdom is not something you're just going to get one day and have all your life. It's something that you're going to have to be renewed daily, a regular basis. It's an ongoing thing to keep wisdom. This was part of Solomon's problem. He had wisdom. But he wasn't waiting daily at the gates and he lost it. And became, as we call him, the wisest fool in the Bible. Look what it says here. For whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain the favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. You cannot reject wisdom and not embrace death. That's what it says. It says if you hate wisdom... You love death. Who are you hurting by rejecting wisdom? Yourself. Your own soul. You're going to suffer the most. Let me tell you, my friend. We need to put forth some effort to hear the voice of wisdom and to grab that instruction and not let it go to invite wisdom and her friends to daily dine in the halls of your soul. Amen? So that's Proverbs chapter 8. A lot of instruction in that proverb. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just ask that you would remind us of these things and let us seek wisdom daily. Lord, that your word would have influence over every hour and every moment that we live. We ask that you would help us to practice that through this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, we'll give you just a moment to pray with yourself and with the Lord. And then we'll get into our prayer time as a church.